we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Will you be old, sick, and destitute, or someone who planned for their future? I'm Dr. Marilyn Singleton, and welcome to this episode of America Out Loud Pulse on America Out Loud Talk Radio. People are living longer, and by 2030, about one in five Americans will be age 65 and older. According to a Kaiser Family Foundation survey, about 8 million people 65 and older reported they had dementia or difficulty with basic daily tasks like bathing or feeding themselves. Worse, 3 million of them had no assistance at all. Family or friends were their only option. But these days, family members are scattered across the country, and your friends may be as in poor physical health as you are. Kaiser Family Foundation also found that 83% of adults surveyed said it would be impossible or very difficult to pay $60,000 a year for an assisted living facility. The inability to afford professional help can tear families apart. As parents age, their personality may change for the worse. A professional is trained to deal with the negative psychological and physical aspects of growing old. Families may find that the only way to get help is to put their parents in a nursing home. But what will they do if the parents don't want to go? Sometimes children find that the nursing home is not too pleasant, but it's the only one in the area that takes public insurance, better known as Medicaid. The cost of long-term care can be over $100,000 per year. And while there's a huge financial toll, the loss of all your savings, the emotional toll is worse. Comments in a blog from folks who are caregiving for their loved ones can be heartbreaking. They said things like, feeling like there is no honorable way out, crying out of pure exhaustion and grief not being able to fix what is wrong, having to be close by at all times and never getting a break. One woman said, I lost my husband recently, and I don't think I could handle losing my mother. I'm here at home with her 24-7 and no end in sight. When you hear these things, you have to know there's got to be a better way for the elder and their family. A lot of people think that Medicare pays for long-term care indefinitely. That is not true. Too many people end up on Medicaid with its limited options. So planning can make it so your future is what you want it to be. My guests will discuss reforms to reduce dependent on Medicaid and free up private financing to fix these challenges in long-term care. Stephen Moses is president of the Center for Long-Term Care Reform. The center promotes universal access to top quality long-term care 
by encouraging private financing as an alternative to Medicaid dependency for most Americans. He is widely recognized as an experienced expert and innovator in the field of long-term care. His recent monographs on those issues are Long-Term Care, The Problem, and more recently, Long-Term Care, The Solution. Welcome to the show, Stephen Moses. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for that excellent, uh, very moving introduction to the issue and uh, kind introduction of myself. Thank you. Well, you've been on the show, excuse me, where we talked about this issue, and it got people's interest. And so we're following up with some solutions. But for those who didn't hear the first part, just briefly explain, what is long-term care? Well, long-term care encompasses the medical and supportive services that people may require uh, due to uh, enfeeblement uh, related to uh, possibly old age or uh, injury or sickness. Uh, When you can't take care of the normal activities of daily life for yourself, Uh, such as bathing, uh, eating, transferring, toileting, and so on, Uh, you need help from someone. And where that help is going to come from uh, is the challenge to the service delivery and financing of long-term care. Well, I think there's... This financing is what hits people. And if someone hasn't taken care of an elder or someone who is disabled in some way, they don't even realize the emotional toll that it takes. And having the finances is just the start of it because it can certainly help keep families together, not have them at each other's throats over who's going to pay and what do we do with granny. And uh, so it's one of the reasons we really want to get into this. So how how did the problems in long-term care even come about? I know, you know, many moons ago, families lived together and when we were mostly farmers and everybody was around. So it didn't seem to be that aging was as much of a problem as it is now. So how did we how did we get into the long-term care situation here in the states? Well, it was a long-term gradual process at the turn of the 19th to the 20th century. Average life expectancy was only 47 years uh, and you didn't have many people uh, acquiring uh, cognitive dementia or uh, Alzheimer's disease uh, at that point when people were dying so young. By the time Social Security came along, average life expectancy was around uh, 65. And still, that's pretty young to be uh, confronting the chronic illnesses uh, of old age. But over time, we've gotten to the average age expectancy where the infirmities of old age uh, become likely uh, not just a a remote possibility. 
So as we've come to need long-term care more and more over the decades, early stages when maybe family can look after you, but it becomes a, a greater strain as the need of the long-term care patient uh, becomes uh, gradually uh, heavier. And as private financing becomes uh, necessary, uh, as we need home health aids or assisted living or nursing home, uh, then it becomes a challenge how to pay for it. Now, that opens up a, a, a cornucopia of challenging uh, issues because we have not historically relied on families and individuals to fund a lot of their own care. Once catastrophic need becomes uh, required, once uh, expensive private pay uh, care is required, the tendency is for the government to take over. The history on that is enlightening. With every good intention, uh, government, that is particularly Medicaid, uh, stepped in, in beginning in 1965 to try to help people ostensibly low income and very low assets who are unable to afford the care that they need to help them out to get the access that they need. So the system was set up uh, so that people could qualify, but it turned out that not everyone um, could manage uh, with what uh, Medicaid was uh, able to provide. So over time, they made it easier and easier to qualify for Medicaid-supported long-term care uh, services. They have what's called a medically needy system. It says, hey, even if you're not poor uh, enough to receive uh, supplemental security income or welfare benefits, for example, uh, you you may still not have enough revenue to pay for long-term care. So you have a, 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 medic, a medical need that puts you beyond uh, what the welfare um, rules uh, allow. So we're going to allow you, they said, to qualify for Medicaid support, even though your income is considerably higher. As long as when we deduct your medical and long-term care private expenses from your income, then it gets you down to a low income standard. Furthermore, on the asset side, we were concerned that people who have relatively low assets uh, may still not have assets low enough to qualify for public welfare. So Medicaid set it up to make it a good deal more generous. In other words, you can have a home and all contiguous property, and it doesn't count toward the so-called $2,000 countable wealth asset uh, limit for Medicaid. The current limit on home equity is as high as $1,071,000 and up to uh, or uh, a minimum of $731,000. That will be effective January 1st, uh, 2024. 
In California, the Medicaid program is called Medi-Cal. Medi-Cal has decided to eliminate the asset limit altogether. So the $2,000 limit that applies in most states doesn't apply. The more recent $135,000 limit that applied in California is gone. There will be no limit on assets, which really creates an open invitation to anybody and everybody not to worry about the cost of long-term care, to wait and see if they ever need it, and if they do, to qualify for Medicaid. Beyond home equity, there are many exempt assets that don't account in any dollar amount, such as uh, one automobile, uh, IRAs, uh, business, including the capital and cash flow of unlimited value, prepaid burial funds, and so on. In other words, we have set up a system through government, principally Medicaid, that sends the message to the public, don't worry about long-term care. If you ever need it, the government will provide. The sad fact is, however, that when you do need it, what the government provides is unsatisfactory. Medicaid has a dismal reputation for access and quality, uh, institutional bias. People don't want to go to nursing homes, but that's what Medicaid pays for principally inadequate access to home and community-based care. 700,000 people are waiting in line for home care placements uh, through Medicaid. So what happens is that Medicaid pays too little to ensure access and quality, only about 70% of the private pay rate. And as a consequence, there isn't enough revenue in the system to fund adequate salaries for caregivers, which created the well-known massive caregiver shortage of in long-term care. Even if you have the money to pay for it, it's hard to find somebody at the rates that you're usually paid uh, to uh, provide uh, long-term care. So we have a whole panoply of problems, all a direct result of excessive reliance on Medicaid, which excessive reliance occurs uh, because Medicaid has made its uh, availability late in life after it's too late to do anything else, uh, too easy to obtain, and even allows people to preserve substantial assets. So the system is set up uh, it's full of uh, kind of perverse incentives that discourage responsible planning. And as a result, uh, the public policy, well-intentioned as it may be, has created uh, a, a moral hazard, uh, which is a term in insurance uh, phraseology that means uh, if you're going to protect somebody against a risk, they're probably going to be more likely to take that risk, and the risk is going to become more costly. So this moral hazard has resulted in most people ignoring long-term care until they need it, and then relying on Medicaid, uh, which is exploding in costs already over $800 billion a year 
and may not be able to sustain more uh, supportive long-term care, at least not at these levels uh, going forward. forward. Well, it's on a, that a normal, oh, yeah. on that note, it's a good time to take a break because one, it, the moral hazard idea where people are thinking, hey, seems like a good idea. I paid my taxes. But as we're reading in the news now in California, for example, there's a $68 billion budget shortfall predicted. And what do you think they're going to cut? This is the problem of relying on the government. So when we get back from the break, we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about some problems and how we get out of them. We'll discuss that after the break. Right now, I'd like to talk about CofixRx. As you know, I've talked about this before. It's the midst of cold and flu season, and we need all the help we can get. Cofix RX is a nasal spray. It was invented but during COVID. You can kind of tell by the name. And it's simple. It's got povidone iodine in it, some xylitol. And both of these things are really powerful antiviral agents. And we have to think about using Cofix like an airbag in the car. Nothing is 100%, but it really lessens the impact of the viruses tries to get them when they're in your nose before they have a chance to go farther down your respiratory tract and make you more sick. One of the things I love about Cofix, it was invented in the USA and it's manufactured in the USA. It's recommended by tons of doctors and pharmacists and it's easy to get in lots of places. You can find a Cofix button right on our page and click it on. Read more about it. See if it's right for you. I use it and I'm very pleased. Hopefully you'll use it too. Before the break, we we were talking with Stephen Moses about long-term care, what some of the problems were, what some of the history was, and how people seem to be very reliant on the government for these services. But we all know, and I'm sure we've all been burned one time or another by the government promising one thing and not being able to deliver. So we're going to discuss how we can fix this problem and take care of ourselves. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. 
Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Okay, Stephen, tell us what we can do. Well, um, the key to solving the long-term care service delivery and financing problems are to engage people in taking personal responsibility to plan ahead for the high risk and cost that someday they will need long-term care. Instead of rewarding irresponsibility by paying for the care later and even preserving wealth of people who didn't plan, we need to get their attention. But unfortunately, people don't plan. They don't buy long-term care insurance. They don't set money aside against this risk. Well, why would they when the system is set up to reward irresponsibility and to punish people who do the right thing? So the key becomes, how do we get their attention? And that is very difficult as long as Medicaid works the way it does, uh, allowing practically unlimited income and assets and uh, preserving wealth uh, late in life. So we need to change Medicaid to get it returned to the program most people think it was intended to be, and uh, honestly, most people think it still is. Uh, Medicaid has a reputation uh, as being a program that requires you to spend down your life savings into impoverishment before you become eligible. And as I've already explained, that isn't true. But if it were true, do you think people would ignore the risk of long-term care until they need it? No, they would find ways uh, to prepare. So one of the things we need to do is reconfigure Medicaid so that it no longer allows you to ignore the risk, avoid premiums for private insurance, wait and see if you ever need long-term care, and if you do, transfer that liability to the government. Well, how would we do that? I think we would need to end the means by which people with large incomes qualify for Medicaid. What happens now is if you have a large income and, and you also have high health and medical uh, long-term care expenses, they deduct those private expenses from your income. And if you then become low income, you qualify for Medicaid. But here's the catch. Once you're on Medicaid, you have to contribute virtually all of your income. For people at this age, it's often mostly social security to offset Medicaid's cost for your care. But the providers who depend on Medicaid, Medicaid covers 61% of all people in nursing homes, uh, for example, the providers don't get your private income at private market reimbursement rates. They get it at Medicaid's rate, which is often less than the cost of providing the care. So it's the system that drags down uh, the quality. 
And since most people rely on Social Security by this uh, stage, among other income, they contribute their income to offset Medicaid's cost of the care. But what do we know about Social Security? In just a very few years, its so-called trust fund, which is phony anyway, is going to disappear. And there are statutory cuts uh, built in to reduce Social Security benefits by about 25%. Now, that is damaging to people who depend on Social Security for income. But for people who are on Medicaid contributing their income to Social uh, Social Security income to offset Medicaid long-term care costs, uh, it's they're indifferent to it. But what it does do is radically cut the reimbursement levels to providers that are already desperate. Well, it's interesting. It's it's interesting you bring that up about Social Security, because in the news recently has been a lot of talk about Social Security doing what they call clawbacks, where they gave people, mostly disabled people, too much money through no fault of the recipient. And now they want it back months later. What are these people supposed to do? So, I mean, it's stories like this. And I mean, this is real. Congress has to get involved. And, and I'm, you know, I'm sure they're going to say you can't try to get this money back from these poor people. But uh, it just kind of shows what relying on the government to pay for things is not necessarily the wisest choice. It certainly isn't. And uh, believe me, you haven't seen anything yet. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better because this um, Cinderella system we've worked to be noted that Medicare uh, has its own fiscal problems, but it too is critical to supporting Medicaid's ability to fund long-term care. Uh, Medicare pays nursing homes and other providers very generously compared to Medicaid, which funds uh, at less than the cost of care, much of the care provided through Medicaid. So what enables Medicaid's ability to do that, to operate at less than cost, is that a few of their patients rely on Medicaid and uh, Medicare, and Medicare pays uh, considerably higher. Uh, reimbursement rate. The sad thing is that Medicare also, like Social Security, is uh, in line for statutory cuts uh, and not so many years away. Go ahead. Well, this, this whole thing, I think what you're saying, a lot of people don't even know. As physicians, we follow what's happening with Medicare and Medicaid because that's how we're paid when we see a patient who has that as their insurance. And lately there's been legislation because the Medicare payments have gone down year after year after year, even though other costs are going up. And uh, and nobody pays that much attention because they're not the one that's not getting paid. But a lot of times people don't realize that ultimately they suffer if the providers don't get paid. One, they will stop taking Medicare 
they will stop taking Medicaid as a source of insurance. And then what's going to happen? The access to care is going to be terrible. It's already bad in some areas. Well, it's only can get worse. So all the more reason to start working on taking care of ourselves. Absolutely. We are approaching a choke point where this uh, Rube Goldberg system uh, is going to stop working altogether. We've already reached a point where it's very difficult to gain access to the best nursing homes and the best home health agencies unless you can pay privately, at least for a while. So what this has created is a system where attorneys who help people artificially self-impoverish themselves so they can take advantage of Medicaid, they recommend that families keep a little so-called key money, a little bit of money to pay privately, at least for a few months. The providers are so desperate for private payers at full market rates that they roll out the red carpet to attract them. Well, guess what? Who has key money? Tends to be affluent people for whom Medicaid was never intended. So they're accessing, by keeping key money, the nicest nursing homes and the best home care providers, whereas poor people for whom Medicaid is supposed to be a long-term care safety net are crowded out of access to the good facilities and end up in the ones that are featured in exposés of poor care. This is why Medicaid long-term care has developed a reputation for structural racism. It treats affluent people, largely whites, uh, much more favorably than it does uh, groups that are more marginalized uh, socioeconomically. Well, you've developed some solutions to all this. And when you mention people who are uh, financially disadvantaged in the first place that we'll have to talk about what do they do um, but we'll go through some of your solutions uh, you know we have a few minutes before the break and get started on that and I think it, it seems to me and seems to you at the top of that list is get rid of that moral hazard that uh, <laughs> free lunch so to speak you bet. And what creates the moral hazard? Well, uh, the ability of people to self-impoverish uh, artificially, to get down to Medicaid's technically low, but really artificially very generous uh, income and eligibility rules. On the asset side, probably the single biggest technique used to artificially self-impoverishment, uh, self-impoverish is to purchase exempt assets. Now, let's say I have uh, $100,000 uh, and I'm only allowed by Medicaid eligibility rules to have $2,000 in countable assets. But my $100,000 is in um, uh, bank deposits, uh, securities, bonds, and so on. Well, all I need to do is uh, sell those uh, cash equivalents, have 
uh, 700, as of January 1st, 2024, $731,000 of home equity. Well, what what if I have a mortgage of a couple hundred thousand dollars? I could put that hundred thousand dollars against it and voila, I've spent down to Medicaid uh, eligibility instantaneously. Or I can buy as 65 to 80 percent of all people who apply for Medicaid prepay their burial expenses. And that can easily be seven, eight, ten thousand dollars $10,000. So that means that Medicaid is subsidizing the funeral industry. Our Medicaid dollars, instead of going to pay for better long-term care, are enabling people to prepay their funeral expenses. So it's a, it's, it works out to be a transfer. Um, we know that uh, families have substantial uh, home equity. That home equity is protected, as I've mentioned, to very high levels. Why? If people were required to use their home equity to fund their long-term care, they could use reverse annuity mortgages, for example, or home equity uh, conversion loans. And, and they go out into the private market, purchase the home and community-based care that they prefer uh, at market rates, which ensures uh, access to higher quality care. Uh, so we have a number of <coughs> significant assets that are out there held by the public in the economy that are going totally untapped for purposes of funding their long-term care. In home equity alone, it's $12.4 trillion. Uh, there's money in retirement savings accounts, uh, $35 trillion, uh, $21 trillion in uh, life insurance, which could be freed up. People can either sell their life insurance policies or borrow on them. Uh, there are a number of ways to convert these assets that are sitting out there available to be used, but which are not used because they are exempted by Medicaid eligibility. Right well, now, oh. if you give away, excuse me, no, that I said that's that's a good spot to stop for a minute before the break, because we've looked at assets people can tap, and we need to start looking at how people can plan. So perhaps you don't have to tap all of your assets later in life, and remember your kids aren't owed anything. So you've saved your money. You should be able to spend it on yourself. I mean, it's a nice idea to have money for your kids. And unless they're disabled or truly need your help, don't shortchange yourself. And um, you want the best care possible for you. So we'll discuss planning for the future after the break. I'd like to thank everybody for listening to America Out Loud Pulse on America Out Loud Talk Radio. As you know, Pulse is always a beat ahead. You can hear Pulse every weekday at 5 p.m. with an encore at 10 p.m. and on iHeartRadio the next day at 8 a.m. You can also listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. 
The best part for me is all shows go direct to podcast in 24 hours. The episodes are on lots of podcast networks, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iHeart. So make it easy. Bookmark americaoutloud.news forward slash pulse. One of the things people love about the show is that there's a different doctor on every day. Mondays with me, Dr. Marilyn Singleton. Tuesdays with Dr. Jordan Vaughn and Dr. Stuart Tankersley. Wednesday with Dr. Peter McCulloch. Thursdays with Dr. Peter Bregan and Ginger Ross Bregan. And Fridays, we have Dr. Harvey Reich. And if that's not enough medicine and politics for you, we have Nurses Out Loud Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. So thanks again for listening. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides, with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow 
with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Changing the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Before the break, we were talking about resources, income sources, to pay for long-term care when you're older. Let's talk about, with Stephen Moses, what we can do before we get older to help prepare for long-term care needs. Well, uh, there are a number of things. Basically, people need to take the risk seriously understand what the probability of needing long-term care and people don't do that as long as they can ignore the risk avoid the premiums wait until they get sick and the government pays so we're recommending that the government stop doing that and begin to enforce the rules as most people are told that they are that you must be paying for your own care until you run out of money and then and only then the public pays. So what we've proposed is that we get Medicaid back to being the genuine long-term care safety net for people who are truly indigent. Once we do that, the monkey will be on the public's back to prepare. But that's a pretty big monkey to put, especially on young families uh, who are struggling to raise children and pay mortgage and uh, car payments and save against their own future and so on. So we tried to think through how could we make it somewhat easier for people to deal with this risk if they really had to confront it at the same time that they're dealing with those other responsibilities. And it occurred to us that long-term care insurance, which has been languishing for the last couple decades because it's so expensive to insure against the catastrophic risk of long-term care, roughly a $250,000 catastrophic risk for 15% of the uh, population. What if we only expected people to meet their average need, which works out to only about $121,000, 
$70,000 set aside at age 65 and growing would satisfy that need. Now, $70,000 saved by age 65 doesn't sound nearly as daunting as the catastrophic cost of long-term care that we've been trying to confront up to now seems to be. So how can we get people prepared to have that $70,000 set aside by age 65 so that it grows enough to pay their likely cost of care when they need it? Well, we would make long-term care insurance much more affordable if it only had to cover average risk. We could have a new uh, pre uh, uh, tax-favored uh, savings account oriented specifically to long-term care, and we could enable people to carve out uh, wealth that they're saving in other, by other means, such as in life insurance, uh, uh, retirement savings, or home equity, in order to meet that uh, new tax-deferred uh, savings account. And then we recognize that there's all this wealth out there in the economy that goes untapped uh, for long-term care. $35 trillion in retirement savings, $12 trillion in home equity, $21 trillion in life insurance. How do we free up that? Well, we need to give long-term care the priority that it deserves. It's widely recognized that long-term care is the single biggest risk seniors face as they get older. So why not prioritize it and say, we'll allow you to carve out some of that wealth you're already setting aside in home equity, life insurance, and retirement savings to be earmarked to cover your $70,000 at age 65 need for long-term care if and only if you come to need it someday. So what we're trying to do here is create a system in which the vast majority of long-term care expenses are available for people to use when they need them and to pay for care at market rates, which ensures quality and access. And then, and only then, if there is still a need for long-term care, and there will be some catastrophic circumstances that remain, we will preserve Medicaid as a genuine safety net for people truly in need, the actually indigent folks. We eliminate in that way the structural racism in the system. We eliminate the moral hazard. Uh, we eliminate the tendency for people to ignore the problem until they need it. Bottom line, there is more than enough wealth in the American economy to fund quality long-term care in the private market for all Americans and with a safety net of a much smaller uh, but resilient Medicaid program for those uh, for who fall through that net otherwise. Well, you talk so, about getting um, private long-term 
care insurance. How stable is the insurance market in that regard? If everybody runs out and gets it, will that put a run on the market? <laughs> well, I think that that worry uh, occurred because uh, the uh, Washington CARES program it was set up to tax everybody in the state to provide a nominal uh, long-term care benefit, maybe someday if they don't move out of Washington, resulted because they gave people uh, a, an exit opportunity. If you own private long-term care insurance by a date certain back in 2022, you could avoid this 0.58-cent uh, percent uh, 0.58 percent uh, tax on 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 payroll uh, by purchasing the long-term care insurance well it was so popular that uh, it overwhelmed the uh, private insurance company's ability to provide the care um, they could have provided and would be glad to provide in in a market that has some buying insurance policies to avoid uh, the uh, payroll tax in Washington state and that they would drop it soon. And it was creating a tremendous uh, administrative overhead. Uh, but in the kind of system that we're proposing, uh, th those issues would not arise. Uh, people would see the need to plan for long-term care and they would purchase long-term care insurance, uh, albeit in smaller amounts, uh, but with much greater volume. Well, one thing that I've recently heard about is even people who have purchased policies have found that the policies aren't paying for in-home care. Is that something people just really need to keep their eyes out for when they do look at a policy? Really look at the terms and see what it pays for. Well, in the early years, uh, just like Medicaid was all nursing home care. Private long-term care insurance was uh, just nursing home care. Uh, the private insurance industry has evolved to cover uh, home care and assisted living much more successfully than has the government side. Uh, so uh, it is uh, something that needs people need to be aware of, but I would venture to say it's very hard to buy a long-term care insurance policy anymore uh, that doesn't cover a full continuum of, uh, of care. It's a lot of unfair criticism gets lodged on the, the toward the private sector. Uh, the reality is uh, you, you, you have a contract uh, with an insurance policy and it would be irresponsible for the insurance company to pay people who don't qualify under the contract because it takes funds that are set aside to uh, pay claims in the future uh, and, and, and uses them for people who were not qualified. So uh, it, when the, when people complain that, gee, my policy doesn't cover this or that, if the policy the contract makes it clear what is covered, that is all that should be covered and should be paid for. 
Uh, only government programs are allowed to be uh, so elastic that they expand uh, beyond their means and then just transfer the cost uh, to uh, other insureds, as it were, uh, taxpayers. Well, it's very interesting because, again, this brings it up that we've got to look out for ourselves. The insurance company makes a contract, and most of these contra insurance contracts follow the same forms. If you ever notice on any kind of insurance contract, it'll say form whatever, you know, 58A or whatever. But because all the insurance companies get together every few years and they go over these forms and go over the terms. And so most of them are the same, but not all. So it's up to us to look and make sure we get the product that we think we're paying for. And like Stephen said, it's a contract. And uh, even if an insurance company goes bust, they have something in the business called reinsurers that cover for when the underlying company goes bankrupt or doesn't have enough money. So somehow I trust that sector more than the government when they run out of money. Just recently, our wonderful governor, Gavin Newsom, had said he was going to put um, several uh, programs on hold because of the budget shortfall in San Francisco that had promised a few million dollars in reparations have to put that on hold because they don't have it in the budget. So when you leave it to the government poobahs, they can just, like Stephen said, it's up to their whim whether they pay or don't pay. The private long-term care insurance business uh, has taken a lot of negative flack because they've had to raise uh, premiums on in-place business and had not expected to have to do that. Uh, but it uh, turned out that uh, more people need more services. Uh, but the main thing, is, or a main thing, is that the government artificially lowered interest rates. Now, the way long-term care insurance works is that you pay premiums, sometimes for 20, 30, 40 years, and the insurance company uh, sets that money aside in reserves, and they depend on getting returns on those uh, reserves that will enable them to pay the benefits someday. But the government forced interest rates artificially down uh, to well below what would enable the insurance carriers to pay the benefits someday. So they were forced to raise the premiums on uh, their policies, which made the policies harder to sell and far less uh, profitable. So what happened then is that the public became disenchanted with long-term care insurance because uh, the, it was costing more and more and fewer people bought it. Now, the comparison I want to make is to Medicaid Medicare and Social Security. Those programs are unfunded to the amount of hundreds of trillions of dollars. And yet, what has the government done to ensure that it will mobilize at great cost to their credibility with consumers to be able to pay premiums by raising premiums? The government has left everybody out there unprotected. And when that 
house of cards collapses. As I've explained earlier in this presentation, uh, the ability of Medicaid to fund long-term care at anything like the inadequate uh, way it's provided up until now uh, will disappear altogether. So we are on the cusp of a very serious problem in this country uh, related to the ability of uh, government to fund long-term care. Well, on that note, Stephen, I think we've all been given a warning, and I think we've gotten warnings like this with regard to other government programs and promises through the years. So this is just one more thing we have to look out for. And I just want to thank you for telling us all this. And thank you for coming back on the show and uh, letting us know about some of these issues, because hopefully, if we're lucky, we'll all get old one day and we may need long-term care. So thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Singleton. And I'd just like to thank everyone for listening to America Out Loud Pulse. As you know, we are always a beat ahead, and we love having you listen. We've got so many great things on the website, and now we have AmericaOutloud.shop, where you can get books and products that we talk about and get a discount just by putting in a code out loud. So take a peek at it. And we also have our email that you can send in and ask questions of the host or the guest. So there's so much out there on this site, and I hope you enjoy it. And thanks again for listening. And like I always say, whether you agree or have other opinions, please share the show. And until next week, say it loud. I'm free and I'm proud. <laughs>